Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. I want to welcome everyone to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host as always here, Chris Flaming, and today I have the honor of welcoming Daniel Hen to the show. His tax planning practice based in Rockledge, Florida is dedicated to advice, consulting, and planning designed to enrich the lives of those he serves. He's an author, an educator, a world traveler, and a soccer nut, and he's been called the most trusted tax professional in Central Florida. Daniel, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it being being on your show. We're going to have fun. So I'm sure you have an interesting history. Take me through what led you to opening up your own practice. Well, at this point, I have been doing this for 28 tax seasons. Um, it's hard to believe I've been doing Still it. Alive. But, you know, ultimately, I worked for other people. Um, I kind of say that I worked at the small firm, very small firm, worked my way up to a, a big, you know, international firm, a CPA firm, and I worked my way down. And I eventually just got tired of the the internal politics and everything of of trying to make partner at a firm that I just decided to go do my own thing. And that is now I'm approaching my the, the end of my 12th year here that I started that long ago. It's hard to believe. Okay. Yeah. 12 years. So I'm curious if you could go back in time and tell that person 12 years ago, give them a piece of advice. Um, what do you think that would be? Something you wish you knew then that you know now? I think that for me, the biggest thing is understanding my my true value because of my knowledge and experience. I mean, you know, speaking from like from one tax practitioner to another kind of thing, because I, I do work with other tax pros that, you know, that the value, the knowledge, the experience, everything that I've done and built, you know, to this point has a value. And we don't value that and we don't price ourselves correctly uh, in terms of, of what we could do. So, I mean, I still have clients that while I've increased their fees over the years, they're still at a much lower rate than what I'm charging currently for uh, yeah. a new client comes in the door. Yeah. And that's a, when you're first starting out, that's kind of a danger or something that you can experience where you want to bring clients on, you want to grow your practice. And so you can have a tendency to undervalue yourself, right? right. Yeah. And it's hard to go back and correct that with people that you've been doing stuff for a long time. Um, I run into that in our financial services practice too. Right. Okay. So what do you, what do you like best about your business right now? I love helping people. Um, I love helping them with the challenges. I hate when the, you know, I like the normal challenges that people bring upon themselves, you know, starting a new business and, or they're doing something and they add some new wrinkle or they, 
they've been blessed by something, you know, like I had one client that bought Amazon stock at $50 a share. Yeah. Um, and when they came to me at the time, it was $800 a share and now it's $3,200 a share. So, you know, having that kind of new, I mean, they had like 800 shares of it or something mm-hmm. like that at 50 bucks a share. So seeing somebody like that or somebody who, you know, in dealing with real estate where they've got this big gain uh, that they, you know, they're done with this particular property and they want to maybe look at owning something else. So we can look at, you know, options of how we can, you know, defer or not have to necessarily have the gains today. Um, So looking at those types of challenges and, you know, what's the best way to set up your, your business or can we convert your business to do certain things you know, looking looking at those challenges, and I hate when I made the comment earlier. I hate when when there are other challenges that people are facing with, like with the IRS and and the the pandemic issues uh, that they've been having and and staffing problems. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, I have I have the government and Congress to thank for my job, but at the same time, when they throw in all of these tax law changes that have happened so much just in the last 12 months or you know 18 months that just make the the job that much harder and helping with you know helping people with with those but again it's part of my job and part of what I do to help people yeah to keep up with all that stuff I'll ask you about how you do that later so um what do you think's the biggest misconception that people have about what you do I, you know I think it's funny because I, I write some articles for various different things. Um, one I write for my local newspaper called the Florida Today on a monthly basis. Um, I've been doing that for now over nine years. But, you know, I was writing an article recently that I think one of the misconceptions that I that I'd like for people to understand out there is that while we are tax pros are busy at certain times of the year, the problem is, is that we as the tax pros, unfortunately, sometimes let let people, so to speak, walk on us and take advantage of us. So just because there's a deadline in three weeks, that means I can give you all my stuff and, you know, and you'll get it done. And mm-hmm. most, most of the time they will do that and get that done. But that is at, at the great expense of the health and welfare of that tax professional. I have unfortunately have heard of too many professionals that have passed away as a cancer, uh, because of heart attacks, you know, and a lot of that is brought on by the stress of the jobs. Yeah. I try not to let it bother me and I take control of my practice a lot more. So you want to come work with me, you work within my rules, uh, you know, because I've developed a good reputation, uh, you know, in the industry, in my area. In fact, I had another financial advisor reach out to me recently that he said he wanted to partner with me. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know, I work with a few other financial advisors and I don't know that, you know, because I was thinking partner was wanting to, to get referrals back and forth. Um, and I said, I just don't know that there's going to be a lot of that. And he said, no, I want to work with you because of your reputation and, uh, you know, in the area, in the industry. So, you know, th- there is a cost to that. Um, and you want to come play in my sandbox with me, then you have to play, you know, by my rules. And so that's, that's the thing that I think, uh, you know, to, to get people to understand that your emergency doesn't become my emergency is kind of the, the thing from my industry perspective. Yeah. And there are certain times of the year, especially in your industry, where that's, you know, the chances of that happening are really high because people are, you know, bringing stuff in. And, and like you said, in short timeframes and want to get it done. And with the commoditization of 
the CPA business. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Right. Um, that's another issue that you have to, you know, doing doing more and more returns just to make more money isn't necessarily the solution to that. Right. Right. Okay. So is there, is there a difference between tax consulting and tax planning? And if there is, can you kind of explain that or, or define those two? Yeah. Well, again, I will say this in is sort of, in my opinion, you know, tax planning, there's a few different aspects of tax planning. One, there's doing what I call the tax projection. It's the, the doing the calculations, you know, it's usually what I say to most of my clients is that, hey, the last quarter of the year, for some people, it makes sense. We do it twice a year. So mid-year, near the end of the year. But in the last quarter, we go through and say, if you're, if your tax year, we pretend as if your tax year was going to end today. We take what we know to this point, we then extrapolate or estimate what it's going to be for the rest of the year and say, based on this, based on the new variables and stuff that changed this year, you know, you sold your rental property, you sold your business, you bought, you know, you'd started a new business. What are those items going to affect and look on your tax return? Because if I'm telling you in October, November, December, what you expect to pay come April, then I'm giving you some advance notice so that if that turns out to be 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, that you have some time to plan and prepare accordingly. Um, Now, the tax planning aspect of it comes in and says, okay, we still have some time. Okay, it might be October, November, December. It's not a lot of time, um, but there might still be some time in which we can make certain moves, get certain things started in, in place so that we can um, try to see if we can save you some money. Now, a lot of that is usually a deferral. So we're taking an expense today that you know eventually is going to catch up with you somewhere down the line, whether it's you know next year or in 15 or 20 years, that type of situation. But we're trying to take advantage of certain things. You know, for example, like the, the most common ones are you know buying a fixed asset. Uh, that you can place in service by the end of the year that, and again, I always tell people, don't let the tax tail wag the dog is what I call it. You know, so don't, you know, you've got to look at it from a financial perspective, a cash flow perspective, because you can't just, don't go buy something if you don't need it for another two years. You know, if it's something you're going to need in the next six months, and it makes sense that you can buy it, place it in service, start using it, then by all means do that and take advantage of saving the, you know, the taxes today you know, health insurance, retirement plans, those are things that that are usually, the, you know, those are probably the big three of something to help people with, uh, you know, saving the taxes. And so that's, that's sort of the tax planning, you know, what type of entity should you be or what type of entity are you today? And there is there something that we could convert you to that might save you some money. Uh, so there, you know, there's a lot of ideas and suggestions, and I, I subscribe to a lot of services and follow a lot of people who have a lot of ideas and suggestions along along those lines. Now, from a tax consulting perspective, that to me is more of the one-off type things. So uh, that's the type of thing that says, uh, you know, hey, I'm considering, you know, putting in a retirement plan. What what kind of t- retirement plan should I have? Uh, I'm looking, I have this big gain on my property. Um, I wanted to buy a couple of other properties and sell this one, but I don't want to have to pay the taxes because I'm going to lose the cash for paying the taxes. So, you know, what kind of options do I have in order to, uh, to deal with that? Or, you know, just the other one-off types of questions. Like I had a guy call me the other day uh, and said, hey, I'm 72 and I want to look at converting my tr- uh, traditional to a Roth. 
And I'm like, not that that can't be a good decision for him, but at 72, you know, it's the, the whole point is the fact that he's paying the taxes and it, does he have the time horizon to kind of recoup, you know, the taxes that he's paying today. Um, I get the point and get what he's trying to do and accomplish, but you know, if he had come to me at 42, 52, 62, you know, different type of thing. So though that's the kind of uh, tax consulting is what I would call versus tax planning, where we're looking at the whole picture and we're what options and things that you could do to, to get to save some some taxes. Okay, so planning would be the entire situation of the person. Where consulting probably is one sleeve of something that you would do with them. That that's how I. That's again my opinion. That's how yeah. I would look at okay. the, the the phraseology of the two words. Or, All right. Well, that's what I want is your opinion. Right. You being the expert. All right. So, what are some unique challenges that medical practices and professionals face when it comes to taxation and planning? Um, I think you've developed a little bit of a specialty in those areas. So elaborate on that. Yeah, I I deal with a a narrow view of basically service-based businesses. So professionals, you know, they can be, you know, doctors, chiropractors, veterinarians, the uh, financial advisors, attorneys, uh, consultants, business coaches I work with. Um, as well as real estate and IRS representation, and I'll, I'll cover a little bit. But the professionals, the, the challenges that they have is a lot of times there's, there's big income. Um, and for medical practices, that the problem that many of them have is the fact of I'm making this money, I'm making some good money. You know, they're managing their practices. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the pressures that they have is you know, the insurance companies pay what they pay, they're going to pay how they pay, um, and they're going to pay when they pay. Um, then you got the challenges of Medicare for them, you've got, uh, you know, they, they have certain staffing that they need to do and, and have, uh, then you've got the whole medical transcriptions of stuff and, and the extra time that it takes involved in services that they use for those. So, uh, you know, so the challenges that they have from there is, then what do they do with their profits? Um, and most tax professional or medical professionals that I deal with, they're either, at least here in Florida, putting it in their house. So they live in million dollar houses because it's protected under law for, you know, against malpractice type of issues um, or in their retirement because that's also protected. So they don't generally venture out and do a lot of other things. Like they don't own a lot of real estate outside uh, they don't own, uh, you know, outside investment accounts. Uh, you know, those are the types of things where if they were really trying to grow their money, grow grow their value, that they could go and do those types of, of things. Um, and having those types of investments do provide for a lot more tax advantages because, you know, the capital gains, you know, to this point are, you know, typically at 15 or a 20% rate. Um, versus the ordinary rates where many of them are, you know, in the highest tax bracket. Uh, you know, real estate, you know, has certain advantages in owning it and depending on what you, you know, do with it. So you got the doctor whose wife is a real estate professional. I mean, that's like the best of both worlds type of, of stuff that we could do with, with planning. Um, and even if she's not, does she want to be and, you know, could, you know save some taxes? Uh, you know, obviously there's some rules that, that, you know, the spouse would have to meet. But those are some of the challenges that we have um, in dealing with those types of service professionals. 
Now, when it comes to, you know, real estate, you know, again, real estate is the real estate professional. So you're talking about a, a, a agent or a broker, a property manager, uh, but I also like to deal with the investor. Now, the investor obviously is a very broad definition. It's the, the couple who owns one or two rental houses to the guy who likes to flip properties. He likes to flip contracts. You know, so there's there's multiple ways. It's, I mean, it's probably, you know, three dozen ways that you can make prop, make money in, in a real estate aspect of that. So helping people with those challenges, how to handle the the accounting and the recording of stuff makes it, you know, a challenge for most people, you know, so dealing with that particular aspect. And then the last piece that I, I deal with is what I what what we call as IRS representation. So that's dealing with the uh, exam slash when most people know it is an audit or uh, the collection side. So, you know, the audit is the, hey, the document matching notice that you got, hey, you didn't report that W-2, 1099, whatever you got. And, you know, most common one that, you know, you and I are probably most familiar with is the person who inherited that bank account that they've never had or investment account that they've never had before. So they didn't know that they were supposed to have a 1099 and report the stock sales that got reported and the dividends and interest, and they will get that document matching notice a year from now. So the fortunate thing for most of those is that, you know, they get the, what I call the heart attack notice because the IRS knows that they sold hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. And so they'll get this notice that says, Hey, you owe 10 or $15,000. Um, and then when they bring it to me and we actually go through and add it to it, it turns out in many cases, the IRS owes them money, uh, in, in the type of situation. So, uh, so it's helping people with that, you know, then there's the people who actually get their number pulled and, and they, the IRS wants to go through and look at every little thing on their, their tax return. And then on the collection side is unfortunately situations like the downturn in the economy we had back, you know, in the, what is that? 2006 through, you know, you know, you know, the eight time, and then it, you know, lingers on for a few years. Um, and then the recent pandemic where a lot of people lost jobs, you know, downturns in, in restaurants and stuff. So they're now dealing with this cash crunch today when the tax bill from last year or a few years ago are coming due today. Um, and so, so the finances aren't matching, you know, their, the reality of what has happened historically. Um, so helping those types of people deal with their particular situation. So do I get them into a payment plan? Uh, can I put them into a, a spot where we can sort of set them off to the side for a while that the IRS doesn't bother them? Uh, or there's a program called the Offer and Compromise where it's settling for less than what you owe. So, you know, there are people who have paid, you know, $100 toward, say, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. Um, but they're, they're very fact and circumstances situations. And while a lot more people qualify, but the, the, to actually meet the parameters uh, of it is, is very difficult for a lot of, okay. a lot of people. So, so you're helping to navigate through that. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I have the knowledge and experience and I, I teach other tax professionals specifically on the representation side. I, you know, I'm the, if you will, train the trainer type of, of okay. aspect of, of things. Um, and I do teach other continuing education classes for other tax professionals on on the other stuff that I do as well. You, I saw on your website, you also have a college planning offering that you provide to clients. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure, Chris. Yeah, the, the college planning aspect of it is, is you know, is, is multiple. One, it starts with the tax return because that's obviously what they want when, when you're trying to go through the, for the FAFSA stuff. 
to submit, you know, for what kind of benefits you're eligible for. The other aspect of it is trying to help the 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 students and their parents to find what kind of monies that are are available, uh, you know, and if you will, planning it in terms of shifting certain buckets to help them see what other monies might be available from the school based on, you know, based again on the parameters of of their particular situation. Of course, it, it you know, it, it's another one of those, it's facts and circumstances based on what that student and their parents, you know, make earn. And if you will, sometimes to, you know, there are some words that are sometimes difficult to use, but I, I, I think for lack of a better term right offhand is shifting of certain things that might give the, the student more more money that they can get from the school, whether it's, you know, through scholarships, through other programs that they, you know, grants that they may have, or something that might, uh, you know, ultimately either funnel through the, the federal government. Um, and then in all, all the while factoring in people who like, you know, they, they say they work with you and, you know, they've set up the 529 plans or they've, you know, uh, already done some state prepaid plan uh, and kind of working with with how all of that fits into the, the big picture, but ultimately trying to help. The goal ultimately is to try and get that student child to get out of college with the least amount of student debt. Because these the student the uh, federal student loans uh, program is it, it's just mind boggling. I know so many people that you know they're fifty six years old still paying on their student loans just because of how much it was and what the payment plan and then the interest rate. So uh, there's no greater feeling than to to have your child finish college and not have any student loans. Uh, you know, that that it's full, it's done and paid for uh, because, I mean, obviously you're benefiting from that college degree, but you're, it's also keep costing you money, no different than buying a mortgage or any other loan when the interest keeps adding over time. So, you know, who knows what people actually at the end of the, the day, I've never actually seen that math on what, you know, it might've cost you, you know, uh, what is it like $80,000 to go to a four-year university to you know get that but with the student loans you might pay you know a few hundred thousand dollars by the time you're you know you're done yeah yeah do you do you have a i'm curious do you have a recent client experience obviously not sharing any details where you were keenly aware of the positive or negative impact of doing some planning ahead or a lack thereof led to a good outcome or 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 a bad one um, nothing's right now coming right off, off the bat. You know, my, my planning time is usually here coming up here in the next, yeah. next few months, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a very common occurrence, but there, you know, there's, there's some big wins and there's some little wins. Um, you know, I mean, I've in, you know, obviously the, the planning aspect of it, you know, I'll let, let, there's, there's one, this is more on the tax planning side than, than on the yeah. college. That's fine. Uh, you know, there's one where we real estate professional, um, you know, she's it's, it's amazing what this woman uh, has been able to do, you know, and obviously with the run up in the market, she's even been going gangbusters with that. But, you know, giving her the suggestions of of getting her to do a, a payroll to get her daughter to do some payroll 
you know, her daughter is, I don't know, I think her daughter's like eight or 10 or something like that, and helping her with doing some things in the business that getting her to, to save some money in terms of, of that. And that's as long as she does that and pays that, you know, she'll save some money and get to the point where uh, take advantage of the standard increase in the standard deduction. You know, her daughter's never going to have to pay taxes if she stays under that that threshold. Now she needs to legitimately be doing work and she needs to document that. But, um, and we've told her that, but it, it's, you know, it's those types of, of things that, that, you know, help really save, you know, some money. I mean, going from a, the, the most common one that I do is going from a, a schedule C sole proprietor, single member LLC type where they're not operating as an S corp partnership C corp uh, and just going from there to an S corporation uh, that usually at a minimum saves, you know, five grand again, annually in terms of, of what it, it, it takes. Um, and obviously the more money they make, the, the, the more that they're saving in that process. Yeah. Um, again, we try to do what we can to do the, the, so to speak, handholding and, and helping them along what needs to be done and what needs to, to keep, uh, you know, keep going all, along the way. But those are just kind of a couple of examples of, of things that, that I normally do. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit, if we can, Daniel. Uh, okay. What would you say is your biggest life accomplishment so far? This could be personally or professionally. Well, my life accomplishment, I, I would have actually have to say I married right. And Good with, job. Me too. With that and the fact that, um, you know, we produced two really good offspring. I have two daughters who are uh, in their 20s now, both got married last year. So we had two pandemic weddings. All right. Um, not only that, but they chose right. And they've got, you know, two guys that uh, two young men that are Christians. I say they got their head screwed on right. They, they work and, uh, you know, and help provide for the family. And I, you know, I like as much as I can say I'm their father, but their mother was really the one who provide, you know, uh, she homeschooled them. I provided, you know, some support and, and help with that. But, you know, the, my, my two girls are very strong, young, independent women uh, that, you know, I mean, my, my middle, she's my middle daughter, that she was at one time, she's going to school full-time in college and was working two job, two part-time jobs on the side. So, you know, my girls are not afraid of the, the hard work. They don't have to have the best in things. So I, you know, I've, I've taught them some good values in, you know, that, that you don't have to have the best of things and keeping up with the Joneses. So, you know, I would say ultimately that's, that's our greatest accomplishment. And then the last piece is that we ended up adopting four years ago a little girl uh, from our area. She's now almost eight years old, and so we're, to so to speak, starting over again. That my doc, my wife and I are are, are dealing with her um, and the few challenges that we've you know had with her, and we've we've worked through many of those. But and we're homeschooling her as well, and and still working with her. But, you know, that would honestly have to be my greatest uh, accomplishment. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we share, uh, my wife and I have also adopted too. We have our, our uh, kids, but we've also adopted. So oh. I know uh, the joy that comes from that. That's really great. Right. So outside of your practice, tell, tell me something that you're really passionate about personally. 
Stuff that I'm passionate about. Well, I mean, I love traveling. I love traveling and doing stuff with with my wife. And obviously, the pandemic kind of put a little bit of the kibosh on on that. You know, we we really found that we like we like the international travel. But the the benefit is that it's it's kind of forced us to do a little more uh, U.S. based traveling, which is is as good as well. So you know, we're we love to travel and not only travel, but we like the outdoors type travel. You know, we love to hike and go places. Uh, we just went uh, this past uh, summer in July. We went up to uh, Mount Rushmore and drove up there. Oh, nice! Which was a, a real, real surreal experience when you see something like that. Um, so we've seen, you know, it, it's seen things like that. We've seen Stonehenge. We've seen uh, the Parthenon in in Athens. You know, we've seen a lot of different things like that. You know, we've been to L.A. and San Francisco and, you know, we've been through the, the, the we went uh, last year in October. We went up through uh, the Smoky Mountains through we love Stone Mountain, Georgia. So we love to travel and and do that kind of uh, stuff outside of that. I do enjoy woodworking. I haven't been able to do as much of it you know, lately. Um, I'm not going to say I'm any special craftsman. I just enjoy doing, doing it and some of the little, you know, home projects that, that I do from, from that. But, you know, outside of that, um, and again, the pandemic's kind of pushed, uh, put the kibosh, but I do, I have learned to like soccer. I'm a big, I'm a big sports fan. I mean, pr- pr- uh, football is my number one, you know, then baseball and soccer. Um, but soccer has kind of, you know, crept up there. In fact, I, I started before the pandemic, a, an adult soccer league here that I had gotten going. And then we just kind of ended up stopping uh, yeah. I'd love to get that going. So I, I enjoy doing a lot of that stuff. And I love being outdoors, especially living here in, in Florida. Yeah. I've lived in Florida now 47, no, 44 years, uh, you know, in my life. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. So tell me about, tell us about your book. You have two books, one that you had written previously, one that's very recent. So what inspired you to write those and who who is the book written for? Well, the first book is the No Holds Barred Candid Conversation about Small Business Success in Florida. So that that book was, uh, I think it was published first in, I think it was 2015. Okay. Uh, and that book was is predominantly designed for business owners uh, to give them some basic concepts uh, and try to help them uh, you know, at least understand a little bit of the the, the landscape and having a business, uh, you know, in today's world and, and more specifically with some additional pieces on how to deal with uh, business in Florida, which is actually as compared to all of the other states in our union, Florida is one of the easier ones to, to deal with in terms of taxes and operating. In fact, the issue that that most businesses, you know, and I tell people don't screw with the state of Florida because uh, when it comes to sales tax, if you have to deal with sales tax, that's a, a very, very important thing to them in how they raise uh, the sales tax and get uh, money from from that. Now, my second book, and the, you know, I have a, happen to have a copy here on, on my desk. It's called The 41 Dangerous IRS Tax Red Flags and How to Avoid Them. So this goes along with the the representation aspect of of my practice, uh, and this this is it, it's a in written form. It was based on a, a presentation that I gave to tax professionals on okay. how to handle a lot of different issues on the tax returns. 
And so, but because I put it out there, I tried to, to make it uh, consumer friendly so that the average person can go and look at it and say, hey, you know, there's nothing you can really do about getting audited. There are certain things you can try to prevent getting notices. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to get audited, then you just need to be able to dot the I's and cross the T's in terms of providing documentation to provide certain um information regarding your particular circumstances and then and then it's all how you can make your arguments on why something's deductible or why something might not be taxable uh you know in terms of the eyes of of the irs now obviously you're not going to always win but the goal is first to avoid as many notices as possible and then the second thing is to kind of have if you're going to have issues have enough issues that you're going to fly below below the radar like for example let me let me give you um one of the item or a couple of items here one i uh, my very first one is called rounded numbers you know and, and i can't tell you how many people will give me their items for their schedule c and they'll say it's you know 2500 1000 for this 1200 for this 100 right. for this. um and it's like okay that just kind of screams you didn't do your homework you didn't put it together and when uh you know that is because every return is scored um and everything yeah. is scored based on certain parameters and certain things and when the score gets to be high enough you know it's going to end up on somebody's pile and then they're going to actually look at it to see whether right. or not it really should be audited so having something like that uh having large numbers uh is the second one large numbers in the i say large numbers for income or deductions are big red flags mm -hmm. so for example it's not uncommon it's not a wrong answer if somebody makes you know a big large charitable contributions there are people out there that that will do that now you know under the normal rules if you say of tithing is normally 10 percent then the rules are, you know, I think if you're under 10%, you should probably should be okay. But, you know, the average based on your income level um, might be, say, 7 or 8%. And if, and if it's 7 or 8% and you're at 10, well, already you're a little bit higher. And then there's others who give a lot more. You know, if you gave 20,000 and your AGI was 100, that's not a wrong answer. It's right. just that is something that says, hey, look at me, look at me. And I have had clients uh, get notices on just that particular area and say, hey, provide us your information, your details. Uh, and again, as long as you have the documentation to prove that you legitimately made all of those contributions, donations to qualified charities, then there shouldn't be any issues or problems. So that those are some of the, the, the things, you know, and obviously, you know, just as an aside to, to put some of those uh, myths to rest, you know, extending your return doesn't automatically increase your chances for, for audit. Filing your return closer to October 15th doesn't increase your chances for audit. It's the things that are on your return, you know, having a, a constant loss on your Schedule C, having losses on your partnerships and S corporations for a number of years, you know, it, it becomes to the, the extent of why are you what are you doing or are they legitimately businesses are they hobbies or you know what are what are you doing so ultimately that's that's the basic reason i i uh wrote this book and put it out in fact it was just published uh in july of, of this year awesome sounds very helpful what do you see as the biggest opportunity right now in your business well the biggest opportunity is always thanks again to congress and helping people deal with 
the the challenges that are presented to us it always makes tax planning at the end of the year challenging when you know we're looking at you know congress is pass this bill or they is it going to get all the way through uh you know is the president going to sign it um when are they going to sign it and you know what is the final bill going to look like you know i hate to do the you know well yeah i always say here's what we need to do we need to do the calculation based on what we know today now we can add a couple of hypothetical scenarios and say okay based on a few of these things that you have and these are you know a couple of the buttons that are in this new bill that are going to change like for example one of the things are on there is the the increase in the long term capital gains rate um at one time it was talked about making that go to uh you know if your income was above a certain threshold i believe it was supposed to be a million dollars or uh, half a million dollars that it was going to go to 37% um where the latest thing that i heard is that it might go to 25%. Now, if you most people don't remember, it wasn't that long ago that we had, you know, long-term capital gains were at 28%. So, again, hence one of those advantages of being uh, you know, an investor in the market uh or investor in capital assets like real estate. So, you know, the the challenges that 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 we have, you know, they're always there. Um, you know, helping businesses uh you know again some consulting and and it's not so much tax consulting as more of a business consulting that a lot of professionals like myself will also help people with understanding the cash flow relationships of businesses the KPIs the key product uh you know what is it the key performance indicators you know what are the things that are benchmarks for their industries and what is it what would would it take for them to get there helping them with things like internal controls to make sure that that people aren't robbing them blind and um stealing money and because the you know and that's what internal controls was really more designed to help them manage their inventory manage manage the the cash flow the cash register the banks and the accounting aspect of things so you know those are the the challenges that that we we face and uh business owners face because they deal the biggest one of the biggest things that they could deal with is regulation uh depending on the business and who they have to deal with um you know you got the federal government you got the state government in certain areas in certain states you got city county local governments and uh you know not to mention you know say restaurants also have to deal with department of health uh medical professionals have also department of health related things that they have to deal with uh continuing education i mean there there there's so many challenges out there and the best thing that i can recommend a business professional is to seek a proper professional for the type of issue that you need unfortunately as much as we want to find the one size fits all there're not too many people out there that are like that you know they come to you for, for the financial advice i work with their financial advisor and help them to put the scenarios together to work in the picture you know should you contribute to a traditional roth ira a retirement plan a roth component at your employer um you know can you convert from your uh, traditional to a roth you know uh, do the backdoor roth and doing those types of uh planning things you know that's where you need to have that stable of people a good banker a good uh a state planning attorney a good business attorney maybe even a good real estate attorney uh a good financial advisor a good tax professional even a business coach or somebody else might might be in your you know in your niche that's going to help you 
with growing your business and helping you to to see the things that that you want to do. I mean, kind of coming back to what you asked me, you know, earlier about, you know, challenges or what I, you know, I like about my my business is, you know, is in helping other people, you know, but for me to do what I need to do, I need to to really have staff. I need to outsource certain things. I'm a business no different than any others. And so that's what I would advise you know, a business owner to look at outsourcing because your time is more valuable in doing the things that you know how to do. You still need to manage and, and oversee those people, but you, you need to get, you need to, to work with the professionals that can give you the proper advice because it's, if you don't have the expertise, the knowledge, yes, while I understand you're trying to save a buck, um, you know, and I, I, it's like, I don't fault people for doing their own tax returns and, and trying to save a buck, but you don't know what you don't know. You know, and from a tax return perspective, I said, you know, it's garbage in, garbage out. So I can't tell you how many uh, personal individual returns I've seen done in a TurboTax or an H&R block online where they've done it themselves and they've they've either saved themselves money that they shouldn't have, or they they cost themselves money because they didn't take certain deductions or credits that that they were entitled to. So hopefully that kind of answers your question there. So how, you know, commoditization is a, is a big thing in the CPA industry, even in the investment world. So how have you kind of dealt with that in your practice or your business? Well, commoditization is just the fact that everybody looks at, you know, and, and I can't say that I fault it because a tax return, I, even I call it the necessary evil. You know, that's what, that's what's brought about the commoditization. Now, what makes it not really a, a commodity is the fact that the person that you're working with or the team that you're working with. Um, so when you work with me, you're not just working with me, you're working with me and, and my staff in my office. And so what makes it a commodity, and in, in most cases, the tax return is the tax return. But you've probably heard those stories where some news outlet went and took this stack of information and then they took it to 19 different tax professionals and they got 21 different answers. <laughs> you know, And it's one of those things that, you know, I'm never going to profess to know it all. Um, there's just way too much to know it all. And I don't have an idyllic memory where I, I remember everything that I read, you know, from 30 years ago. So, you know, I'm only as good as my knowledge and experience. And so is the next tax professional. But Having somebody like me, like I said, you know, in my history, you know, I worked my way up to an international firm and I learned a lot of stuff on my way up. And then I worked my way down to, you know, large local firm down to my having my own small firm that I still learn things on the way down. And I continually go after continuing education. I, you know, I'm, I'm required as a CPA in Florida to have 80 hours of continuing education in a two-year cycle. I probably have at least double that. And I don't even keep track of, of some of that just because I, I get way more than I, I need to in that, that time frame. But, you know, you're, you're as good as the, the information that, of the person that you're, you're working with. And so the commodity is what you make of it. And to me, it becomes more of a commodity when people are always charging the small rates and they're charging the same as the H&R blocks. And to work with me, it's, it's not cheap. I'm, I'm, way, I'm probably a mo- little more than double what you know, H&R block charges. And so you know, I had a, a new prospect that came to me not that long ago, actually a guy of a very you know, a good means of, of income. 
um, and assets. And he, you know, he interviewed me, talked with me, we did a Zoom call, and then he interviewed a couple of more people and he came back to me and he said, hey, Dan, I, I kind of like to work with you, but the average rate of the other people was like, 475 and I was still a good bit more than than that and you know he wanted to you know he you know he was kind of saying it without exactly saying it but he wanted me to come down in my price and I said I said you know look I'm not looking to work with everybody I'm looking to work with quality clients I want to work with people who are you know who want to work with me who I want to work with and then help them in their uh, financial lives and the tax aspect of that to, to help them uh, improve, you know, their lives, keep money in their pocket. And I don't have to work with everybody. And I didn't budge on my price. So at the end of the day, he still chose me. Uh, and so that's how you end up making it, you know, you kind of made a comment earlier that I, I said it, you know, that I was thinking in my head, my, my phrase is, it's, it's about working smarter, not harder. It's not about taking everybody that walks in the door and, you know, here's my, here's my price. And if you want to work with me, this is what it costs. And, you know, or I, I like to, to say it's, it's an investment in me. It's an investment in my firm for you to make for that, that price. Now, do I get people who, you know, rant and rave on the phone to my staff and say, you can't charge that. Nobody's going to pay that. And it's like, okay, I beg to differ and that's fine. You know, we're just obviously not the right fit for you. So sure. thank, you. Right. thank you and have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. And there are, there are other professionals that are competent that would be a better fit. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. So if that's a good segue. So if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, the best way is typically through, uh, you know, through my, my website, cparockledge.com. Uh, Rockledge is the city that I'm, uh, my firm and I live in here in Brevard County. We're on the East coast of Florida and the the space coast area for those people that are more familiar with that. You know, I love seeing the rocket launches from, from here, especially that inspiration four that went up uh, last week. That was pretty cool with a night launch like that, uh, from here. But, uh, so CPA Rockledge, uh, you can find me and my firm on, uh, on Facebook, as well. Um, I'm also available in, in LinkedIn. Dan Hen CPA is, is how I go by, although legally I'm, I'm Daniel, so I go by Dan Hen CPA. But those are typically the best ways to get it. You know, you'll find, find it on if you do a Google search and uh, contact my office. And if somebody wants to, you know, if, we, if the preliminary information that comes, comes in that, that they're a good fit, then we'll look at uh, scheduling an initial consultation phone call to or phone call or Zoom. Right now, we're still not doing anything live face-to-face. We can go from there. Okay. All right. Last question. This is off the cuff here, Dan. Will the U.S. men's national team qualify for the World Cup this time around? Yes or no? Uh, I, you know, I want to say yes. Um, it's really disappointing to watch a World Cup when the U.S. team, you know, when you don't, you know, you don't have really a team in, in dog in a fight kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, and being a big Bucks fan, that was a big thing for me this uh, this past year. But the, uh, you know, I think that they really have a good chance. I haven't seen what they if they had any games recently. I know that they it's one of those where they have to probably win a lot more than they they need to draw or lose. And you know, I mean, it's like. 
it's like anywhere, you know, in the world, we're in a, we're in a tough bracket. There are some really good teams out there, you know, and, and one day our, our system, you know, I still don't know that we still have the best of feeder systems and, and we coach and train a lot differently than the rest of the world does. But, uh, uh, yeah, we have we have a we have a shot. We, I, I have confidence that they can do it this year. All right, so you're cautiously optimistic. Yes, cautiously right. optimistic. That would be okay. Great. We'll go with that. <laughs> okay, Dan. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. It's been a true pleasure to interview you, folks. We've been here with Daniel Hen, CPA, and thank you all for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast, brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we raise the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level one show at a time. Thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you and hear you next time. Take care. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.